This is a Poets and Writers page one author reading. To hear more, visit us at pw.org forward slash multimedia or at soundcloud.com forward slash poets and writers. My Monticello. We claimed it first, this little mountain, me and my violet and a scattering of neighbors, all of us fleeing first street after men came to set our row of tin-roofed homes on fire. The men came at dusk, blaring an operatic, oh, say, can you see? White heads rose up from dusty jeeps and dark hair thrashed in a harsh new wind like tattered flags. Ours, the men shouted. Their rifles gleamed as if they'd only just been bought, a megastore militia. Through a hasty breach in Ma Violet's blinds, I even saw a boy among them, blonde and sneering in a pickup window. Men leapt from back seats, sprang out of truck beds and rushed towards the faces of our homes. White hands clutched metal canisters, swung torches spilling flames, bright shouts, the rising haze of smoke, all that and more rousted us out. From our patchy front yards, we saw bodies blur as some of our neighbors charged forward to try to stop them. We saw a teen struck with the butt of a rifle, his temple spraying red. A toddler flailed, diapered and clinging to its mother's hip as she sank knees first to the sidewalk. What we saw in those moments riveted us, and then it set us free. No plan of where to go until my eyes landed on the short jaunt bus parked along first, cloaked in its skin of stars and stripes. Ma Violet used to ride those small city buses, which catered to seniors and folks with disabilities. This particular jaunt had sat out front for weeks, abandoned like so many vehicles ever since the grid went down. A break in the roaring line of jeeps and Knox and I ran toward it, tugging Ma Violet between us, still in her pale house coat and slippers. Behind us, I saw Devin sprint out from between two buildings, metal shining in his mouth and on his hip. His twin cousins followed, the three of them gesturing wildly, drawing the armed men's attention. Ma Violet lurched to the top of the bus stairs, collapsing into an empty front seat. I slid in beneath the steering column where, by grace, keys dangled. Inside, a group of neighbors huddled along the brief aisle, their voices flowing toward us in recognition. A hush fell when Knox crested the steps behind me, my college boyfriend, tall and white, wearing wire-rimmed glasses. My eyes hung on him, too, for a fraction of a moment, with me wondering rashly, why is it we love what we love? Those men with guns must have seen our shadows in the jaunt bus windows. A burst like fireworks, a jagged brightness. Then I heard a known voice shouting, go, go, go. It was Devin's voice. He and the twins had shot back at the men as they made their way to us. 
They jumped onto the bus and I stomped on the gas, gripping the steering wheel so tightly my palms would ache for days. We did not so much peel out of First Street as fly away. That was the night we claimed this place, if not first exactly, then first since this dark new unraveling where everything has been set free again, the way I see it. Not to mention our original due, denied, dismissed, but still there teeming in our blood, at least in my violets and in mine. <laughs>